Life was about as peachy as life can be. And then one night, he was on an exercise and a vehicle he was in rolled when he was in the turret and he was killed instantly. My faith gives a rock and it means you know that although you're being tossed about by the storm, you're not going to be drowned by it. The waves can throw you all over the place, but they cannot drive you under the surface. Welcome to London Living, a solid hope in uncertain times. This is a podcast on the challenges we face as modern Londoners. Today we're going to be hearing from Phil Alcock. We asked Phil to share his experience of death and loss. My name's Phil. I have lived in London most on and off most of my life. I'm married to Jules, father to Alfie and Archie, and the official feeder and poo picker for Milo, our dog. In my day job, I am a vicar. I am the assistant minister at Christchurch Mayfair, and I've been part of this church actually since it was planted back in 2001. Lockdown has been a bizarre time, I think, for everybody. You notice that society is having to engage with death for the first time now in uh, in coronavirus. Well, not for the first time. For the first time in my living memory, it's, it's probably a better way to put it, where you've got government officials standing up telling you the daily death rate. It's kind of unavoidable. Death is there. And just the look of fear on faces. You see somebody cough and there's looks of fear. There. As I walk the dog in the morning, there's a, there's a lady who has hiking poles who literally swings them side by side to keep people two metres away every day. People, people look genuinely afraid if, if people get too close. Suddenly, death and the fear of death are front and centre. When I was 25 was when death became a reality for me in two very, very different ways in one year. So uh, firstly, my, my grandfather um, had a stroke, but he was incredibly physically fit. And so he survived. They, they didn't think he'd survive more than a day or two. But he survived for um, the best part of a year in hospital. And, and that was a weird thing, going to see him quite regularly and just watching the life drain out of somebody uh, little by little and just seeing them become less and less a person until one day finally he died. And, and, and so that was, a, that was just, a, it was just a, a strange, odd thing to watch death in slow motion and to, to start grieving before somebody had died and to, and to see the impact on his wife and, and on my mum and others. Um, but it was, it was a sort of surreal thing, to be honest. Uh, and then halfway through um, that year, partway through that year, the, uh, my brother, who was um, uh, one year, four months, four days older than me, and we were, um, we were thick as thieves. Um, he was, he were best friends right through life, incredibly different people, total opposites. Um, he's not around, so I can say he idolised me. No, he didn't. Uh, um, he was a great older brother I looked up to enormously, and he was a, he was officer in the army and on the 1st of November 1999 um, he was on an exercise and a vehicle he was in rolled when he was in the turret and he was uh, killed instantly and at that time in my life I was probably enjoying life as good as it could possibly be. I had huge privileges and blessings of stable upbringing and good education and found myself uh, living in London with brilliant friends in a fantastic house, doing a, a really well-paid job I loved as a as commercial lawyer, um, really enjoying work, had a fantastic social life, uh, was, was part of a great church. I felt spiritually fulfilled, uh, 
just everything was good. I was physically as fit and healthy as you can be when you're working long hours. Uh, just, you know, I had disposable income. Life was about as peachy as life can be. And and then one night, um, in the middle of going out on a date, uh, phone phone rings, and um, I realised it was mum and dad. And so I, I'm just in a moment, instead of uh, turning it off, I thought, oh, just check what it is. And they, uh, you can tell, you know, instantly from the tone of voice, something's not right. And I said, um, Andy's been uh, been killed. He uh, he was killed on a he died in an accident on an exercise this afternoon, and I remember I finished the phone call and um, went back in and said, "I think I need to leave." Um, and then I realised I don't know what I'm meant to do, uh, what I'm meant to feel. Um, eventually, um, got driven out by. Uh, relatives um I went to I had to go and tell his his girlfriend actually was the first thing I had to go and do and it was it was just a it was just this weird thing suddenly there was this new reality um and for the first you know you, you read books about grief afterwards and you know oh, okay you know, all these things and and to start with you, you kept waking up uh, and and having to learn it afresh each day, which was just this this awful thing that the the person who, to be honest, I I was closest to in the world was gone. Um, and each, you know, you wake up each morning and oh no, it's not a bad dream; it's reality. And and when you've had a when you've had a privileged life, you you kind of get to think you can sort things out. And so, uh, okay, what do I do to fix this? Is there you know I mean. You, know, you don't actually think oh, I'm going to fix death, but you you just find yourself wanting to fix, and you you can't, and it pulls you out of the world. There's this weird feeling of it's like stepping off a, a stepping off a train at the station and just watching everybody else carrying on. It's you know the world carries on, and you are you're suddenly divorced from the world. You're in this alternative reality where uh, your world is just in chaos and it's awful right now, and everybody else is carrying on. And and so it's very alienating and uh, and strange, um, and um, and there's no time frame on it. You know, uh, emotionally, I was battered for for that year really, and um, and it um, and death death does that. It, my mum's teeth were awful. Uh, my sister had terrible skin complaints. You know, death it has physical physiological impact on you. It's a weird thing. Everybody faces it, and yet it feels so wrong. And and it it just it, it completely rips life. It, it's like something's been ripped apart in life. Um, and you think, hang on, if this is normal, why does it feel like this? It shouldn't. My faith it gave it helped me to to be honest, because the. The Bible, the Bible is honest about death. It doesn't have any silly poems that say death is nothing. It's a death is absolutely awful. Jesus Christ rages with anger and weeps with bitterness when he encounters the death of a friend, which is wonderful because it meant I felt played on the side to do the same because that's what I felt like. I I hated it and I wanted it not to be, um, and I needed to to cry because you know the the life I'd. All the stuff I wanted and all the things I, I wanted to do with Andy were gone. But also there's the hope of Jesus rose from the dead. Um, not 
and there is a hope that he lives on in our memories, but because actually they don't. That's the thing. They're gone. They're, they don't speak to us. They're gone. But but there is the certain hope that if Jesus rose from the dead, then all who trust in him will rise again, and I will see him again. And um, and that changes grief. It doesn't stop you crying. It doesn't stop it hurting. But it it does draw some of the bitterness out, and um, and it gives a it gives a rock um, that you cling to. Um, and it means you know that although you're being tossed about by the storm, you're not going to be drowned by it. That, uh, you know, the waves can throw you all over the place, but they cannot drive you under the surface. And bizarrely, I would say it's the, the death of my brother is the, in my mind, is the single most important thing that's happened to me as a Christian. It, because I think it was the, it was the time when uh, I knew God to be real and I found him to be real and he was there and I found that there was that the Bible had words of hope that nobody else had and hope I could rely on um, before that I believed in Jesus I was a Christian I was serious about it and everything but after that there was there was just a different I've been I've been through a storm with him it's like a you know can this boat survive a storm yes uh, there's a difference in, in your answer when you've been through a storm or and when you haven't it's uh, you know, I used to do rock climbing and, the, and you buy a new rope, you know it can take your weight. When you've fallen on it, you feel a bit different. You know it can take your weight. And I know Jesus um, can sustain us through death. Thank you for listening to this episode of London Living, a solid hope in uncertain times. This is a podcast produced by Christchurch Mayfair. We've produced this series to provoke discussion on the challenges we face in 2020. You can find out more by visiting christchurchmayfair.org forward slash London Living. Our guest today was Phil Alcock. Audio was produced by Bertie Stiles, with special thanks to Chris Barton, Kat Taylor and Tom Duckering. <laughs>